Hello. When I started working at the NHS Confederation some six months ago, I asked people for suggestions on who I could best speak to, to get the combination of experience, insight, plain good sense that would help me climb up a steep learning curve. A name that came up again and again was Dr. Cathy McLean. I did speak to her. I've spoken to her since. And I've always found our conversations incredibly enlightening. Today on Health on the Line, I'll ask Cathy about her new role as Chair Designate of Nottingham and Nottinghamshire ICS, explore what she has learned from working at the centre and in trusts, and about her commitment to LGBTQ equality, so that the leaders of tomorrow don't have to face some of the challenges that she's had to deal with. New ideas. Big debates. Meeting the change makers. Transforming services. I'm Matthew Taylor, and this is Health on the Line, brought to you by the NHS Confederation. Hi, Cathy. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's, uh, it's lovely to, uh, to have a chance to chat with you, Matthew. So if, if I took you back uh, 30 years or so, and, and you had then been able to kind of project forward, do you think you'd be surprised by how little has changed, how much has changed, how things that you thought would change haven't, or, or, or whatever? What, what, what do you think you're going back 30 years, you'd be surprised at in terms of how things have turned out? Well, I think, you know, I do remember 30 years ago having conversations about you know, the, the impending challenges, really. We knew back then uh, the demographic was changing. We knew that activity was coming down the line. We knew that we were, were pretty successful, not necessarily just in the NHS, but across the society in helping people to live longer. This was, um, you know, this, was, this is a great thing. But we could see that the bulge in, in demography would mean that you know, we ended up with many more people who would need a lot of help at the end of their lives. Uh, and I say this from this angle because I was a geriatrician, so I, I was working with people who were older and frailer and so on, and we could see that. And some of the great things that happened then were, were that people weren't continually living in institutions, they were able to live in their own homes or, or closer to the communities. But I would, have, I would have expected, you know, 30 years on, surely we will have changed and so that we will have pushed back the tide, really. We will have made it more, more manageable. We wouldn't have those pressures that I could see then in our A&E departments and so on. So it hasn't changed as much as I, I thought from that point of view. However, what has changed an awful lot, I think, are some of the things we can do in health for people, some of the technological advances, some of the digital things. So I think there are, there are some huge positives that I might not have been able to predict uh, but also some things that I would have imagined then in my naivety would have been, uh, you know, considerably improved by now. And would that also have applied, I'm sure, that 30 years ago, well, I know because I was having these conversations 30 years ago, people would have been saying, look, we need to kind of try to shift resources more into prevention. Uh, we need to think about how we can treat patients more without having to go into hospitals because it's expensive and risky going to hospitals. Do you think you would have been disappointed by how little progress we've managed to make in those agendas over the last three decades? Yes, absolutely. Because I think we could see then uh, that there was much more needed to be done in, in the communities. We, we tried in some small ways to do some of those things. And if I look back, you know, somewhere in between 30 years and, uh, and now, 
you know, I look back to the 2007-8 when Aradazi was doing his review, we absolutely looked at some of those things and talked about it then. Uh, and again, you know, sort of 10, 15 years on from that, um, we've not made the progress that we, we might have hoped. And I think in some ways, what's my leadership learning from this? You know, you have to be brave when you can actually sort of see what needs to be done. You have to be brave. I have waited, it feels like, you know, decades to get to, to the place now where we can start to see that integration across uh, health and social care and other uh, parts of the system might start to genuinely have an impact. But it is it is disappointing in many ways. But I'm a, a huge optimist, so I'm always I'm always thinking, you know, we can still do something. Yeah, this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you, Cathy, because I think it is relevant. Because if ICSs are to succeed in the big way that I think you want them to and I want them to, we do need to acknowledge how difficult some of this change is. So if you if you look across those years and you think, well, why haven't we achieved the shift upstream in terms of prevention out from the acute sector uh, into you know community services and other services for example that allow people to better manage themselves manage their own health care stay in their own homes i guess there will be three perspectives i mean one would say well the fact that it hasn't happened maybe suggests the theory is wrong maybe it's just not realistic maybe we'll never uh, invest more in prevention maybe in the end we're always going to think of the nhs as being fundamentally about about hospitals despite the fact that so much activity takes place outside of another view would be well we've never really kind of had a a, a run at it you know we, we, things got in the way or a third view which is you know if you're going to do it it's really much harder than we thought so which of the whose kind of accounts do you think best grabs why it is that it's been difficult to achieve these things? I think there's a bit of each of them, but I would also add in that I think that we have to get the incentives lined up. And what I mean by that is I think some of the times that we've, we've come through in the last 20 to 30 years, we've actually put in place things which were counter um, the integration, counter that working as a system, counter the, you know, move things upstream because we've looked at short-termism uh, and also we set up a system of um, to be honest competition at one stage you know and um, foundation trust we had um, we had we've had all sorts of different policies and financial regimes which maybe maybe haven't supported it which is why I think right now if we are to have a change in in, uh, in law, which is what, you know, the bill is going through Parliament. If that actually happens, it's really making a big statement of now, you know, you need to integrate. This is where we will get take out the, the financial barriers. We'll allow you to use the resource. Um, I mean, I'm a big believer in a sort of sense of, it's a bit like being a, a, a general practice on a bigger scale, in a way, a capitated sort of budget. Here you have a, a population you have an amount of resource, and it is down to the leaders across health and social care, voluntary sector, and so on and so forth, to actually the, deliver the very best they can and help people not just in terms of hospital care, but actually stay well, live healthier lives for longer, that sort of thing. But you have to move the resource around to do that. Do you think that we might look back and say the way that ICS has started to fully work 
in the shadow of COVID actually meant they had more impetus to address some of those longer standing issues. I think of health inequalities as one example. Absolutely. I mean, I think for most um, systems across the country, a, a very common theme as we emerged from the sort of first and second waves of COVID was to say, have, hasn't everybody worked well together? Having a sort of single thing to focus on helps. So there's a lesson there. How do we make sure we don't try and do too many things? How do we actually sort of focus the priorities? I think that's a big, big lesson. And I think it's something we've been guilty of for a long time is we spread the, spread things too thin. We think we can do so many different uh, tasks at once. And actually, we're much better if we're focused on a small number. We learned that from COVID. People had to get together. It was an imperative. We, we, you know, we'd never dealt with this before. And people were developing things as they went uh, along together. And I think when you look at any of our integrated care systems, I've got some involvement in several and it was the same story. Um, you know, people in hospitals were were suddenly working uh, in a different way across uh, across the system with people from primary care. Uh, there were people in mental health trusts helping support staff in acute trusts. There was social care was working well uh, together with everybody. We were working well with them. And and I just think that we must capture that and we must maintain that momentum. If we lose that now, that really is a loss, uh, and we must learn from that. And the inequalities became really clear. They were really highlighted. We knew about them, but they really stood out, and that's given us something to really galvanise around to, um, to change that going forward. So I want to come back to that idea of focusing on a manageable number of priorities when we, when we talk about the dangers and opportunities for ICSs in a moment. But just before we get there, I just want to ask you about your perception of this kind of whole age-old question of the relationship between the centre and institutions and places, you know, there's a, it can be quite a tired discourse at both levels. So I've been in conversations in the centre kind of despairing at the massive variations in performance and standards of people out in the field. And I've also been in even more conversations of leaders of trusts, foundations or places tearing their hair out at the latest bit of unnecessary central interference. As somebody who's worked in both places, how do we get out of this kind of rather tired debate? And and, and beyond that, what do you think, Hathi, is a challenge for the centre going forward in, in a system of systems? I think that what we do have to remember is that the NHS part of our systems is funded nationally. It's determined in Parliament how much resource comes to the NHS. It is inevitable that there has to be an oversight of that. And if we try and think that we can get past that, that we need to get past that, we should get past it, we're having a, a sterile debate. It is as it is, and we need to, I think we need to accept that. So. One of the things I think has to happen, really, is a change of focus. I think we need to focus on outcomes, outcomes for our populations, for our citizens, citizens who at times become patients. And I think setting the framework of where we're trying to get to and for the more central bodies to turn more to how can we support. Um, there's a certain amount of guidance and do once type of approach but I think the more we can devolve out to the front line, out to the communities, out to the neighbourhoods, where we, we know that people understand the issues, uh, and they'll be really different. They could be different in the space of a few streets. Um, 
So any thought that we can do that from a central region or a national central uh, arrangement, I think is wrong. And I think that uh, it'll take time, but I think we need to devolve. And then that trust that we talk about a lot at system level, relationships and trust, we need to build that. Um, but we've always got the challenge, you know, it's a national health service, and so you expect a standard. And one of our four things to be achieved by systems is to continuously improve quality. So we have to have that. Um, but I think the brave thing to do would be to start to devolve more and more out closer to the front line, into the systems as they develop. You see, now I, I completely agree with that. And I think I've probably said to you before, Cathy, that I, I think one of the very common characteristics of improving systems is that they somehow manage to both articulate and critically balance three types of kind of pressure for improvement. That's the top-down pressure, which is to do with kind of strategy and standards and accountability. Lateral can appear to peer improvement, which is to do with having a culture of challenge and support amongst leaders and clinicians. So that's a that's a cultural facet of a system, which is that the, the teamwork is teamwork oriented to continuous improvement and service. And then responding to pressures bottom up, pressures from the desire for patients, patients, groups, communities. And if you can if you can balance those and articulate them and balance them, then you've got a good chance for self-improving system. But what that requires is requires, it does require an appreciation of how these different drivers interact with each other. And I think that, you know, the, the thing that's really hard for the center is to understand that when you push down from the top, it's not just that you push things down from the top and something goes in, but you generally push away the capacity of leaders to learn from each other and learn bottom up because they're being forced all the time to look up. And so I I feel that, you know, if ICSEs are going to succeed, the centre is going to have to lose an empire and find a role to a certain extent. Now, you've been at the centre. If the centre is to heed what you've said about the importance of, of, of devolving wherever you can, if it's to heed what I'm saying, which is about about the balance needed for a self-improving system. It's going to have to not just be about good intentions, but quite deep thinking, isn't it, about about a different kind of role? Yes. And, uh, you know, there are some um, positives definitely that emerge around the culture that's created. Um, we want a different sort of culture. But um, I think it's, uh, in fairness, tricky whilst we're, uh, you know, Bill's going through Parliament and we're actually sort of, building the, the the structures and so on. I, I absolutely see that there's a certain amount of uniformity there. But I think there will need to be, um, you know, some more trusting relationships built up so that they're really clear what we're trying to achieve here um, and, and, and give a bit uh, and maybe do it gradually, but I think sort of start to give something so that systems can actually develop for themselves. And in a way, um, we talk about accountability, but in a way, the accountability needs to be to the people we serve. Uh, and a lot of that can be done at a local level. That's where we should be listening. But I do recognise it is tricky. I think that offering improvement, offering those connections, I think there's a tremendous amount we can each learn from others. And also, they can learn from us, whoever we are in, in these systems. 
somewhere, somebody's doing what we all need to do, but nobody's probably doing everything. So I, I really think we could we could really move to a much more of a horizontal learning. And I think the centre could do, um, I mean, obviously they have to be accountable, but they, they could put more of their energies into how they help us with improvements and how they help point to where we should be looking. Somebody's done something interesting, point us to it. That's what I felt when I was in the centre. I was kind of doing. Uh, I have recognised as I've come out back into more locally, that's not necessarily how people uh, see it, uh, actually. You, you have to be really, really careful on how you you sort of put yourself uh, in other people's positions so that they, they interpret it correctly. But I think there's a journey here, Matthew, to be gone on. And the, the real value, I think I've talked to you about before about my inverted pyramid. I put an inverted pyramid with the ICB, Integrated Care Board, and the Integrated Care Partnership at the bottom, the pointy bit, and then build up from that the provider collaboratives, the places, the neighbourhoods, and right at the top, at the widest bit of the inverted pyramid, are the citizens. And that's the spirit of how I'm trying to work in my system, because I think that as soon as we have another hierarchical approach, we'll have lost that great possibility of actually making change you know, in the communities, at the front line, preventing people coming into hospital, helping them to manage themselves. I mean, I thought something you, you, you just said is, is is an interesting example of the kind of thinking that, that, that we need to be careful about. So I, when I was at the centre, I would have absolutely said, look, there's great practice out there, as you said. Let's find out where the great practice is and then let's tell everybody to do it. Unfortunately, that is, I'm afraid, I think how our, the road to hell is, pay, is paved with best practice, actually. And, and I think that's because when you actually bring people together who are leaders to discuss a piece of practice that appears to be successful, what actually happens is, is this. It is not that, you know, a number of people sit in a room, somebody says, I'm doing something perfect. Everyone takes out a notepad, writes it all down, and then goes back and does it. What actually happens is the first person says, well, we're doing something, and actually it's quite successful. It's not perfect, but it's it's going okay. And But there are very specific reasons why we were able to do this. And then the second person says, well, that's interesting. I think there might be some elements of what you're doing that I could – there's some elements I couldn't use, but there are some elements here. I can repurpose that. And then the third person says, you know, that's really strange. I did exactly what you did three years ago, and it completely failed. And actually, that's how we learn from each other. It's a much messier, grounded process than the idea of which is the, the civil servant's idea is find someone who's doing it well and tell everyone else, tell everyone else to do it. And that, that peer to peer is about that messier kind of long term conversation, isn't it? Absolutely agree. And I think networking um, between people, between systems, between people within it, I mean, you know, just an example that I did within our own system today was we brought together non-executive, uh, uh, non-executives from the different partner organisations. And, you know, the conversation that emerged is enormously helpful for us because we've just, what have we done? Well, all we've done is facilitate people getting together and having a conversation which really moves us on uh, around some key themes uh, and I think the more we can do of that sort of thing, that that's the sort of space, and it's energising. People enjoy doing that sort of thing, and if they enjoy doing it and they're energised by it, they're more likely to go in and, and make a change as a consequence. So I, I completely agree with you. You can't tell people, oh, 
you know, they've done it really well in Nether Wallop or wherever it was. Um, you just do that now. That's never worked. Um, you may get a few up, bit of uptake, but you never get a, a, the uptake you imagine. Surely everybody would would be able to do this. But you have to you have to sort of get interested in something and then start to look at it in your own context. How might you adapt it? You know, what do you add on? Just the sort of things you were saying there. Um, but we can facilitate that. I, I think we should be positive and also optimistic about that. We can learn from abroad. We don't have to do it all from here. Some countries have been ahead of us in some of these things. Uh, and we can, we can, you know, take from anywhere, really. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and indeed, just to, just to say that we at the Confed are spending a lot of time thinking hard about what kind of resources and skills we need to, 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 to precisely enable that kind of really powerful uh, collaboration, facilitation, networking between peers, uh, really strengthening that kind of lateral driver uh, of improvement. But also what, what you've just described, that gathering you've described takes me to ICSs. And I have heard so many different accounts of what an ICS is. So let me tell you my 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 best shorthand. And, and then I'd be fascinated to know, Kathy, what you think of this. So it seems to me that ICSs have got three roles, fundamental roles, two of which are in inherently intention. So one role, the role that's not in, in intention, as it were, is there's a kind of economy of scale kind of set of issues. There's functional things. So there may be things that it is just better to do at ICS level, whether it's kind of capital allocation or workforce strategy or IT or R&D. So there might just be things where you can genuinely just add value by doing them at ICS level. That's unproblematic, although it should it will vary from place to place. The functional bit is, is it's complicated, but it's not complex. The complex bit is that on the one hand, ICS is have this role in convening and collaboration, as you've just described, and some of the most eloquent accounts I've heard from ICSs that exist about the difference they're making is to do with bringing people together and hosting different kinds of conversations. But yet, on the other hand, they are also going to have a kind of harder-edged role in terms of, you know, allocation of resources, accountability, to a certain extent, some kinds of performance management, at least, you know, or at least holding some kind of framework. Is that, do you think, an accurate account of ICS? Is how do, do you deal with this inherent tension between the kind of the warm collaboration and convening side of things and the slightly harder edged accountability and performance side of things? Yes. And, and some of these things are you know, I'm sure everybody is kind of working through some of these. So I think you're right. I think there are uh, a, n a number of different facets, if you like, to it. I think as well, it's, it's worth thinking about what do we mean by an integrated care system? And that is not an integrated care board. An integrated care board, which is both an organisation and a board, you know, will have certain things it has to do. It will have uh, a role to help implement the strategy that is set by the Integrated Care Partnership and so on and so forth. But I like to think about the integrated care system as a collection of, of people, which is much broader. So you've got Health Watch, you've got voluntary sector, you've got various aspects of local authority that's not just relating to the health and well-being of people, but is actually broader, is around housing. It does relate to well-being, housing and employment. And, and then there's education, there's research, as you say. So all the organisations, universities and so on, can be part of, in some way or another, that system. 
And I think it's really important that we, we have a distinction, if you like. And then I think what is also really, really critical is if we're going to have um, places thriving, we must give primacy to those. Um, so for, and as you sort of rightly indicate, they're all different sizes, all the ICSs. For some, a whole ICS is somewhere else. It's, it's a place. Um, and, and so we have to be able to accommodate all of that. But it's going to really matter um, how you come together. And an, an awful lot still is based on what are the relationships? Have you got trust between you? Are you able to, therefore, use the levers around with the contracts or whatever it is that we might need to use to actually move resources into the right part of the system, into the, into the place that it actually can be used uh, to reduce inequalities, to equal people up, to change the way that they, they live and so on. So I think we just need to be really careful that we don't get stuck with the wrong things. I think the performance management bit is one of my fears. Is And the way to handle that, I think, is to think much more about outcomes, is to make sure we don't, at the system level, start to duplicate what's already happening in organisations. So the trusts on any, in any ICS patch have got um they've got boards they've got a governance process what do we how do we add value at the system level how do we not just replicate how do we add value and certainly in nottingham and nottinghamshire we've got a great outcomes framework which we will be using alongside you know our inequality strategy and all of those things to to, to make sure that we are focused on the things that really matter to the citizens and to the patients uh, so I think we're going to have to fight against just becoming performance management. And I, and I do th I do think we need to continue to engender that relationship between different parts of the system. I want to talk about one other thing, and this really isn't a, a kind of afterthought at all. But if we go back those 30 years, Cathy, there's one thing I think that you would have been delighted by in terms of the shift that's taken place. And that's the shift that's happened in terms of attitudes to the LGBTQ uh, community. You're a member of the guiding group for the NHS Confederation's LGBTQ Leaders Network. Talk to me a little bit about the progress that has happened over those 30 years. Because, and Am I right in thinking that you would, be, would have been pleasantly surprised at how much progress has happened since the 90s? But, and also tell me what work do you think still needs to be done? Yes, I, I do think the world has changed um, from the one in which, you know, when I set out, you know, even in the 80s and so on and so forth, when I was just qualified and so on, it is in, in many ways unrecognisable. Um, you know, I think of my own trust at UHDB. Uh, we have a thriving network of uh, LGBTQ+, um, and you know, it, it is remarkable when I look back. It would never have been the case 30 years ago. You kind of hid these things. I mean, genuinely, that's what I did. And also, I knew plenty of other people who who would just sort of try and come and seek some advice. And, and it is much more open now. It, it is, you know, it is, it is in, a, in, a better, in a better place, but we're not there. We don't have necessarily really open discussions at boards about it. Um, and you could argue, why would you do that? You know, it's a personal thing. 
but actually it just shows that we're, we're not we're not really as, as far down the path as I would really like us to be. I mean, I'm impressed with the progress we have made, but I think there is more to do. And I think there are, you know, it's, it's more complex than it, it was. People are understanding better about uh, different aspects of, of, of people's lives. There's the trans community. There's people who've got different uh, protective characteristics, perhaps that overlap, uh, all sorts of things. I think we've got an awful lot of education uh, to do amongst ourselves um, and, and I think we need to be really able to speak about these things and, and allow people to bring their whole selves into the workplace uh, and then also think about it in terms of our citizens and our patients how do they feel uh, do they feel welcomed for their whole self uh, are, are they treated with respect in that way so yeah lots and lots of progress Matthew, um, I, I, I feel I've some sad stories I could tell from when I was younger, but uh, it's a lot better now. Uh, and, you know, I'm really, really pleased to see that and, and keen to do whatever we can do to, to advance that, uh, you know, across all of our communities. Yeah, and I, it, I think it's important to, to grasp hold of those things that we can say there's been genuine progress, but as you say, still work to be done. Well, Cathy, our first conversation, I think, was on Zoom just after I'd been appointed. Our, our second long conversation was at the Health Service Journal Awards in a, in a kind of peculiar building in Battersea Park. Our third one has been on this podcast. I can't wait for our fourth, and hopefully it'll be in the wonderful city of Nottingham. Cathy, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Very welcome. You've been listening to Health on the Line from the NHS Confederation. Visit nhsconfed.org for more information about us and to register for events and webinars that delve deeper into the issues explored in this podcast. And save the date for NHS Confed Expo, the premier event in the health and care calendar, taking place on the 15th and 16th of June 2022 in Liverpool.